Yannick Ngakwe coming to the Jets? I don't believe it. Also, we describe what we've seen at camp so far. Jets practice, Florham Park, I think five practices in now. Sable Radio, the Yannick Ngakwe rumors just hit and everyone's losing their damn minds and everyone needs to calm down. There are serious, serious questions with this report, this rumor, and with Joe Douglas and what he's preached about culture to think that this is actually real. Um, Do the Jets need an edge rusher? Absolutely. But considering Yannick did the same exact thing Jamal Adams did, make as much noise as humanly possible to get out, would Joe Douglas pull the trigger on a guy like that? It's really, really hard to believe. The first report came from Michael Lombardi of The Athletic. And you won't see it here for the people watching on YouTube. But Lombardi retweeted a fake Adam Schefter tweet claiming that Yannick had been traded to the Baltimore Ravens. Completely fake, was not real, and this came after his initial report claiming the Jaguars are in discussions with other teams and they're looking to trade him and may have found a partner and they would be trading him within the next 48 hours. So Lombardi puts out that report Here's something, the fake Schefter tweet comes, Lombardi reacts, gets it wrong. Now, after that tweet, here's what he said, quote, okay, so this one is real. Hearing the team deeply involved is the New York Jets. That's not fake news. Does it happen? Not sure, but they are trying. Now, consider a bunch of things. Number one. Beat reporters, the, the local New York media market, uh, I believe Rich Semini of ESPN, they have reported that the Jets have no interest in Ngakwe. That doesn't mean it's necessarily true, obviously. Joe Douglas has already proved to be nearly leak-free. Did anyone have the rumor or the report about Adams going to Seattle before it happened in late July? No. It was sprung on everyone. It was a shock, and it just happened like that. So Douglas holds his cards close to the chest all the time. So it's very feasible that he makes sure no one gets the info before talking to the actual team. Also, Lombardi has been known to be wrong in the past. I will hedge my bets on the local New York beat guys over a national guy like Lombardi any day of the week. And this doesn't include Schefter or Rappaport, who are usually 100% correct, 99% correct most of the time. And Gakwe, culture, it doesn't really add up. I remain very, very suspicious to trade Jamal Adams, a guy who has demonstrated the willingness to do whatever it takes to get his way for Ngakwe, a guy who did the same thing, is incredibly tough. It's an incredibly tough sell. 
It's incredibly tough to buy. Now, obviously, the edge need is incredible. John Abraham is the last edge guy they had. They were in Hofstra at the time. They haven't had a legit edge pass rusher at Florham Park ever. Here is an example of Ngakwe on Twitter in April. He's been extremely quiet since April, but what he did in April was damaging. Twitter, he calls out Tony Khan, the Jags owner. Quote, stop hiding, Mo. It just blatantly calls him out. April 20th, 1.16 p.m. Quote, since you're feeling might today, maybe he meant mighty, I'm not sure. Let's both let the world in on the truth. We've been had a discussion that the Chargers game was my last game. Yet you try to backdoor the situation without answering any of my camp's calls. Shake my head, you spoiled. Holding up people for no reason. The Jags owner, Tony Khan, response. It's a new regime here, sir. I thank you from the bottom of my heart for all the contributions you made here. That said, tweeting insults at me won't get you traded any faster. Only good trade compensation will do that. Please redirect your efforts in a more productive outlet. Yannick response. Just trade me. I don't need the speech. With a checkered flag emoji at the end. He wants to see the finish line. Khan responds. Quote, show me the compensation. I'm sure you're really driving up the price today, by the way. And that's the point. How Douglas traded Adams and got what he got after Adams hurt his trade value with everything he said in knowing that he wanted out and that staying with the Jets wasn't an option, I still don't know. It, it was a David Blaine magic trick of the highest degree. And Gakwe is no Jamal Adams. I think he has, what, 37 and a half sacks in four years? He's no Jamal Adams. So doing what he did in, in late April, creating all this noise, didn't help his cause. We're sitting here now, how many months later? Four months later, in August, and he's still in Jacksonville. Also, the Yannick and Jamal situations are not similar. I mean, they're similar. They're not identical. Jamal has played three years in the league. He has two years left on his rookie deal. Made all that noise. Yannick was not a first-round pick. He was a third-round pick. Outplayed his rookie deal. Deserved more money on that rookie deal. Got franchise tagged. Will make a ton of money this year. A ton. I don't know the exact figure, but a lot. Especially for an edge rusher. So, asking for more money, asking for a a team that was that would be willing to give you a long-term deal on a franchise tag is much easier to swallow than a guy who's making noise after just 60% of his rookie deals completed. Jamal Adams, three out of five years. Remember, Le'Veon Bell, same thing. Second round pick, outplayed his rookie deal, didn't make hardly anything on his rookie deal, maybe four or five million in four years, was franchise tagged that fifth year. And he didn't hold out until that sixth year in which he was franchise tagged for a second straight time. And even when he did hold out, he didn't make a ton of noise. And two of his teammates just completely called him out in the public via financial matters, something that 
guys say don't happen. Guys in the league say don't happen, but they do. They're all human. It does happen. It's football. If someone is perceived to be quitting on a team, guys are going to speak up. So not every situation is the same. People are going to make that distinction between Ngakwe and Jamal Adams. It's not similar. Ngakwe has more of a right to complain and shout and want a new deal. Still, does does Joe Douglas want to pull the trigger on a guy like that? That's the question. Are they even interested? Who the hell knows? But that didn't stop Jets fandom from losing their minds. And especially because it's an Ed Rusher, they lost their minds. Samini even tweeted, relax Jets fans, something of that nature, uh, telling them to calm down. The cherry on the top of the entire situation is Yannick's new agent, new representation, DEC management, tweeting out about the situation. Quote, Always a good day when a reporter, in quotations, leaks a trade that's not happening as of now and then gets duped by a fake Twitter account of a national reporter backing up his fake trade. I love this site, referring to Twitter. I hate this site. You can love it all you want. It's damaging to media, to journalism. But he's just jumping all over Lombardi based on the Ravens' fake Twitter Uh, quote, tweet, retweet, whatever you want to call it. But the interesting part is the first part. Always a good day when a reporter leaks a trade that's not happening as of now. So even though the Ravens part is just hogwash, it's garbage, Lombardi got duped and he admitted it, DEC management kind of, I mean, they, they absolutely did not throw water onto the fire. Their verbiage is quite clear. Leaks a trade that's not happening as of now. What does that mean? You know, although Lombardi's been wrong in the past many times, although with Joe Douglas, you know, he keeps stuff under wraps, they don't shut down the trade completely. They leave, they leave that situation dangling, DEC management. And remember, in Gakwe recently changed representation. He fired his agent this summer. Had to wait the five days, the mandatory five days, and then jumped onto DC, DEC management. In Gakwe, keep an eye on that. Personally, I don't know if I would pull the trigger. It would obviously depend on the compensation. Would you take in Gakwe for a second round pick? Of course you would. It could be a little bit of a head case troublemaker. Fine. You could deal with one of those guys if he's an edge rusher that will severely help the defense and you're only giving up a second round pick when you're already loaded with picks thanks to the Jamal Adams trade. But Joe Douglas, knowing him, he would want to stay true to his principles. He would want to make sure this guy is not going to cause any headaches, not going to cause any trouble. If it's for more anything than a second pick, second round pick or second and third, I'd be very wary of a trade, and I just don't think it would happen. I only think it would happen if Joe Douglas got a bargain, which 
could be possible at this late date in August heading into the season. Wednesday practice, the Jets ramped it up after a Tuesday walkthrough. Gase mentioned on Monday that there are certain restrictions with COVID where he can't go, he can only go a certain amount of time and it builds from there. He went 90 minutes on Monday with tops, with shoulder pads and helmets for the first time. Monday was the first time in pads. Friday and Sunday were just helmets. So they thumped a little bit on Monday, only nine, 90 minutes. Came back on Tuesday with a country club type feel walkthrough. Guys were wearing hats. They were just walking all over the place. More of a mental day. I don't know what they did in the building. I'm sure they did something. And when I say something, I mean a lot because they didn't go hard on the field. And after practice, Gase mentioned how he wanted to ramp it back, pull it back because of all the injuries, because of all the hamstrings. Denzel Mims is still out. Pierre Desir is still out. Vincent Smith, you know what happened to him, out five to eight months. Uh, Brian Poole is still out. Third day he missed today with dehydration. That's a strange one. Very strange. You know, Joe Flacco, obviously still out on the pup list. Ryan Griffin, Daniel Brown. Pup list, non-football activity. And then James Burgess went down on Monday with a lower back. And then today, Connor McDermott was the guy who went down with a knee. He's going to have an MRI. So he pulled it back Tuesday, walked through, tried to rally the troops in terms of health. And then he came back today, Wednesday, with tops again, with shoulder pads, helmets, shorts. And today was the first day where they really got after it a little bit. The physicality was ramped up. On one occasion, Frank Gore took a inside to mid zone. The offensive line did a good job of pushing it to the play side. Gore cut back, beat the backside edge, Jordan Jenkins, to the spot and pretty much ran for an 8-10 to 10 yard touchdown. But at the goal line, he lowered his shoulder and thumped Bradley McDougald. He didn't go down immediately, but eventually did. And that was just one example of the physicality. Elsewhere, Harvey Lange with the second team knocked down David Fales, who scrambled for about five yards. Uh, it was a coverage sack. Probably was a coverage sack. I don't think Fales would have escaped the pocket. Obviously, it's not live. But once Fales scrambled, escaped the pocket and scrambled, Lange came over and just popped him, knocked him down. It led to both sides, the offense and the defense, playfully talking trash, nothing serious. If it was Sam Darnold, it probably would have been a different story. And haymakers would have ensued. But it wasn't Darnold, it was Fails. Lange knocked him down. That's football, all is well. The last example was Le'Veon Bell, who took an outside zone to the right side of the offense. And Arthur Mallett playing Slot corner, popped him. Popped him, knocked him to the ground. Marcus May was coming from the inside, coming from an inside-out look, inside-out perspective, and was also there, the second man in, with the physicality. But Mallet and Bell hit the ground right away, and it looked like Bell loved it. Bell popped back up, loving the contact. He's ready to go. 
he looks good. I think you fans who wanted Bell last year are going to finally get the guy you wanted to see, providing the offensive line does its job. Which brings us to Makai Becton. Makai Becton told us earlier in the week that George Fant and Alex Lewis are his guys. George Fant is teaching him technique, and Alex Lewis is teaching him concepts. Of the two, Alex Lewis has been attached to the hip to Makai Becton. And it makes sense. Left guard, left tackle. Everywhere you go on the field, if you see Becton, you see Alex Lewis. He's taking in what the veteran has to say to him. He's doing everything Alex Lewis wants. He's listening. And it's all for the better. In drills, in teams, Becton hasn't been perfect. Jordan Jenkins has beat him a couple times. Quinnen has beaten him once or twice. He gets caught lunging at times. He gets caught with slower feet at times, which is troublesome. But from an overall perspective, this man can be the starting point for this offense. He, he needs to be the real deal. He needs to be legit right away. And if he is, I, I don't care about Adams. I don't care about Mosley. I don't care about the perceived weak receivers. If Makai Becton is the real deal, and there are signs suggesting he can be, he's that damn big, then the fans should be happy because that's the starting point. You need the starting point on the offensive line, either at left tackle or center, and you're, you got a good one in Connor McGovern as well as center. That's what you need. Defensively, you also need a starting point in Quinn and Williams, who we'll get to in a moment, who probably looks the best at any jet right now. He came back this season powerful, slim. I think he, he told us he weighs 297 right now as opposed to 303 last year. So he's down six or eight pounds. I forget the exact numbers. But with Becton, he told us he weighs 370 right now. He's, he admitted he's not in the best shape. He wants to get down to 360, 355, and he's working with the team to do that. And Quinn and Williams talked to the media today, Wednesday, after practice. And his attitude, his braces-less attitude, no more braces, is apparent. Quote, I'm going to be unstoppable. I'm feeling it, man. I'm, I feel myself being that person they drafted me to be. I feel like I'm coming into being that person to being a dominant defensive tackle in the NFL. Again, it's early. They haven't even gone full pads yet. They're not really mixing it in, mixing it up with teams too often. There have been team sessions here and there, but a lot of it is they're focusing on one aspect. For example, today, it was a lot of man coverage. Today, there was a lot of zone rushing schemes. Greg Williams and Gase are not mixing it up, and they're not, they're not really getting deep into teams. It's a lot more positionals right now which is to be expected for you know, the first week of training camp without a minicamp, without OTAs, without anything else. So Quinnen Williams has been a huge standout. Jordan Jenkins looks better too. He looks like he's coming into his own a little bit. The corner situation is dire without Desir. 
uh, Bryce Hall, too. And a little tidbit on Bryce Hall. Even though he's on the COVID list, he also has an ankle injury still from college, which Gase revealed to the media. So even if he was lifted off the COVID list, he still wouldn't be playing. He'd still be dealing with that ankle injury. Cameron Clark, also another one who's hurt. So Clark, Hall, and Mims, part of that rookie class, all hurt. Ashton Davis on Monday had a day. On one play, he was playing single high safety. Ball down the right sideline. I forgot if it was Fails or Morgan. It was one of the two. Going for Josh Malone, receiver. Ashton Davis is an athletic freak. And with his range, he ranged from single high, middle of the field. I couldn't tell what kind of jump he got. I couldn't tell if he was shading to the left or not. But he ranged to the left and met the ball, met the body on the sideline, popped him alone, separated the ball from the body just as the ball got there, a split second after the ball got there. I don't care if it's Pop Warner, NFL, college, I don't care what level it is. Doing that as a free safety, as a single eye safety, not a two deep, a cover one or cover three, whatever. Doing that from single eye and ranging all the way to the sideline. It was the sideline. It wasn't the numbers. It was the sideline. Is a near impossible feat for any safety. But not this guy. He is an athletic freak. And if he can get down the nuances of the game, he could be scary. I don't think he's a strong safety. I still think he's a free safety, which we're seeing a lot of him shadowing McDougald. And that's the other thing. The way you thought McDougald would be used is not the case. May and McDougald are very interchangeable. And May is dropping down in the box a lot. Still a long way to go. But it looks like May has sort of taken over for Jamal Adams, while McDougald has taken over for May. And then Ashton Davis is breathing down McDougald's neck, shadowing him in a lot of situations. Sam Darnold, Brashard Perryman, that's another story. On Wednesday, Perryman took a 80-yard slant to the house. Mallet was quickly benched afterwards. It was terrible coverage. Uh, Darnold didn't have much to do on it. Play action, strike on the slant, Perryman with his speed, gone. Bashard Perryman is a talented receiver. He does things Robbie Anderson couldn't dream of doing. Contested catches, back shoulders, toe tapping on the sideline. He is a talented catch and traffic guy. He's a more talented receiver than Robbie Anderson. It's not even close. The problem is, are his injuries. Is he more reliable? Robbie Anderson has been more reliable. And reliability is huge. And with Denzel Mims out, with Vincent Smith gone, with Doxon opting out, Perryman has to stay healthy. He has to. The other positive is Chris Herndon has been good in camp as well. And you could see it with Darnold and Herndon. They have that connection right away, that chemistry. There's no question about it. Wesco has also been a surprise. With Daniel Brown and, and Griffin out, Wesco has been pretty solid. Made a catch today on a seam, kind of a, I don't know if, if you would call it a slant exactly, but kind of a seam, seam in 
near the goal line where he where he caught the ball over his head. Didn't have to jump, but reacted pretty nicely to a ball that was above his head. Full extension catch came down with it. So Wesco's been pretty good too, and, and the return of Herndon is huge. It's massive. Uh, defensively, Mallet is playing a lot of slot with Bless Austin and Harrison on the outside with all the injuries. And it's it's amazing, right? Fans were banking on Mosley and Avery Williamson to return all year. What a great duo, inside linebacker duo. I wrote about Mosley a couple months ago to not bank on his return because of that groin injury he had with surgery. You can never bank on a guy's return at his age. Now that he opts out, missing two years of football, forget about it. Don't even think about banking on his return. But Jets fans were waiting for that duo to return all year. And guess what? Start a camp, they're back to where they started. They're back to square one. Neville Hewitt and Blake Cashman. Anwar hasn't really got much play with the first team yet. Uh, could be a scheme thing. Early in camp, you're going to go with guys that are returning who know the scheme while the new guys catch up, especially this year because they didn't have, you know, again, they didn't have OTAs, mini camp. They didn't have a lot of time to incorporate the new guys. Burgess is out too, as previously mentioned with a back. And Darnold. Darnold looks better. Darnold looks quicker. Gase mentioned it after one of the practices that he saw it right away. Darnold is going through his progressions quicker. He's he's noticing everything quicker. It's just clicking for him in the second year of this offense. Remember, we haven't seen him entering a, enter a second year in an offense yet. Just hasn't happened. It was Jeremy Bates the first year. It was Gase last year. So Darnold entering year two at Gase with a an improved O-line and a healthy O-line. Listen, you can have all the injuries you want on the outside at the skill positions. But as long as the O-line is healthy, and as long as the D-line is healthy, that's the most important aspect. And right now, there are no injuries on the O-line and D-line. Zero. None. McClendon, Phillips, Henry Anderson, Jordan Jenkins, Basham, they're all healthy. Offensive line, name them. They're all healthy. So in terms of that, the fans should be excited. The injuries outside are tough, receiver, corner, but what are you going to do? This season is about establishing an infrastructure, and right now, so far, so good in terms of the O-line and D-line, and Mekhi Becton. Becton scares me a little bit. He absolutely does, but when he gets to a guy, he plants him. And on Monday, he planted Neville Hewitt. He got to the second level, put him on his ass. And afterwards, Neville Hewitt had nothing to say. He's like, yeah, he got me. He absolutely got me. That's football. He also got Blake Cashman. Didn't plant him on his ass. But on the same day, uh, run to Becton's side to the left. He moved out to Cashman, engaged. Once Becton gets his hands on a guy, it's over. Pushed Cashman about 10, 15 yards close to the sideline. Completely took him out of the play. So, yeah, there's, there's issues, there's adversity, but the important aspects of this team, Darnold, the offensive line, the defensive line, is looking good, is intact. 
And if they could survive these injuries, they need Mims back. They need Perriman to stay healthy. And they need to see her back. They need Brian Poole back. That's for damn sure. If they could survive that and no one else goes down of significance, they'll be fine. Check out JetsXFactor.com, JetsXShop.com, uh, Blewett's Blitz on YouTube, Cool Your Jets on YouTube. Uh, we have a couple new shirts at Jetx Shop, which you guys should check out. It'll be down there in the description. Like us on YouTube, follow us so you get the alerts, all that good stuff. Apps on uh, Google Play and iTunes as well, Apple and Android. Until next time. 